The best way I think I can describe it is through someone else's quote, which I read uh, a couple years ago, um, and it really stuck with me. It was from Man Repeller, who was a, a she's a fashion blogger that really came up with Instagram. Like we've featured her on the suggested user list and she just has incredible taste. But uh, she wrote this piece about Instagram and basically said that she felt like Instagram was a drug where, that we were all addicted to a drug that didn't get us high anymore. This is The Early Years, a show about influential early employees and the most successful companies and their stories that have made a lasting impact. I'm Braden Anderson and on today's show, how our guest went from being an early employee at Instagram to eventually deleting the app in the last few years. What is a community? Today that word can be misunderstood and even more difficult to create. When you're in a community, it can be a life-changing experience for all involved. Particularly in the early years of Instagram, their goal was to create a community of people across the entire world. Today we're joined by Bailey Richardson, one of the first employees at Instagram. Bailey's job was to create this community and she is now on a mission to build a scalable approach to helping others build their communities. Bailey's guessing of Instagram employees' email addresses led to her getting an interview and eventually a job in 2012. Yeah, so I think I have maybe one of the least techie backgrounds in a way <laughs> um, in that I, I grew up in the Bay Area, I grew up in Silicon Valley, but um, I fell in love with with art in college. And so I started studying art history and I ended up working at a museum and then a different startup in San Francisco that sold emerging artists work. So young people who maybe didn't have a gallery uh, were trying to fit, find their way to selling their work, but locally didn't have a gallery representation or just like weren't big stars yet. And some photographers who were selling their photos on our site I noticed very early that they started to use Instagram to get their photos out. And I'd also gone to the same university as the two founders and had some mutual friends. And I started paying attention to it basically in kind of a really early moment of its life. And I decided to email, cold email someone at Instagram to see if they wanted to do like a little gathering with my startup <laughs> um, because I, I thought, that at the time it felt like a really creative little app and and you know there weren't that many creative startups like sort of art related startups and i guessed one of the three employees emails his name was josh and i sent an email to josh at instagram.com wrote a really thoughtful yeah. email i think a really you know human one and he he agreed to get coffee with me which at the time was i think quite fortunate because they were already like very busy and inundated and uh josh and i got coffee and really got along like we just really clicked and a few months later when they were hiring he reached out to me to see if i was interested mm -hmm. or knew anyone who was interested in joining the community team and the timing for me was good. Uh, I was thinking about leaving what I was at and ended up applying and, and got the job. So Jeez. it was like a pretty, pretty serendipitous process. Um, but I think the thing that I, I, when I look back on it, I think when you're young and you're thinking about maybe networking, quote unquote, you just go to big mixers or something and try to like shake hands. I, I, I guess in some ways getting the job came from something like networking, yeah. but it just felt like 
kind of looking for other people who are working in a space that you're also really interested in and just getting to know them and somewhere down the line maybe you know something will come of it and that was the case for me yeah so you you just if i let me get this right you just cold or guessed his email address and just sent him a cold email and that's what led to it essentially is that right yeah yeah pretty much so i mean cool. the funny part is is that we planned a coffee and he missed the first one <laughs> <laughs> yeah which I, I didn't include the first time i told it but i actually think it really helped me because he was like i i never do that i yeah. never miss things and he felt so bad and i think it kind of made him feel more engaged in our, our totally. original meeting i don't know i'd have to ask josh that um <laughs> but yeah so it just totally to totally just said a wild yeah. idea it gave, it gave um, you some leverage essentially by him yeah 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 basically i think in, in the psychological truth is that's the case yeah, yeah. and and what year <laughs> was that oh I, it must have been 20 either 20 end of 2010 or early 2011 okay um, probably i would think i don't know i have to like i don't even think i have that email um it would be funny to try to find yeah. it but yeah it was definitely early in instagram's life um and and yeah it must have been like at least the beginning of 2011 and instagram came out in the end of october of 2010. Jeez. okay yeah and, yeah. and then you joined in 2012 is that right yeah, the beginning of the year in 2012 was when I joined. So I think it was like either early February or late January yeah. of that year. So tell me what it was like to start <laughs> two years yeah. after, you know, we have this perception. I'm sure it's nothing like what it was when you joined. Tell me a little bit about that. Paint that picture for us. Yeah. Yeah. So when I joined, um, the team was around like eight to 10 people wow. and they had just moved from a really small office uh, that actually had been a, an early office that Twitter had been in mm. weirdly enough. And they decided to move across the street to a bigger building. And my first day was the first day that they had moved into like this, like kind of big boy office <laughs> sort of feeling, you know? And I walked into the office and everyone was on their hands and knees assembling furniture. I, <laughs> I was basically handed a wrench you know, as my first thing to do. It's um, a rite of passage to put your own desk together. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I like that. I liked it felt like everybody <clears> was, you know, no hierarchy. Everyone's just kind of building this thing, team team sense for sure. And at the time, I mean, just for, I think the regular person's perspective, you might be able to place Instagram in terms of what the app and the product was like at the time. So, then Instagram was only on iPhone. There was no Android app. Wow. Um, and, you know, it was a time-based feed and uh, there was no video. <laughs> there were no complex editing tools that had filters, uh, but it was really pretty bare, pretty bare bones. And, and it was also the moment where people were using this term iPhoneographers. So, regular photographers, kind of more professional people, still were extremely skeptical of the site, didn't want to use it, thought filters were a joke, uh, didn't didn't want to share their photos publicly. I, Justin Bieber was already on the site, Snoop Dogg was on the site, but you know, Barack Obama was not, yeah. he was the president at the time. So it was it was like a very nascent moment in the company's history and and it was beginning to sort of J curve, I think, as a company, but um, still had like a long way to go from where where it is now obviously yeah well and that brings up an interesting point <clears throat> i'm curious what what do you feel like was the tipping point like what was the event that made instagram like just explode mm. there were a few you know and i think i think any company that's probably going to be 
the size that an Instagram is, is going to have, have a few, um, from, from what I know, and I wasn't obviously there, it was just the two founders who were there at launch. Um, but from what I know about the actual launch, it was one of the most successful launches in the history of like software tech consumer products. Kevin, the founder was just kind of well-connected. I think in Silicon Valley, he had, he had worked at Twitter before it was even called Twitter, sat next to Jack Dorsey, um, knew Mark Zuckerberg who tried to hire him out of, out of college. So he, he had a lot of support from people at like the tech with tech podiums, uh, you know, folks who would tweet about Instagram on day one or write about it in TechCrunch and things like that. So he had, he had a lot of support from wow. sort of the tech world. And then also he had done a really good job of creating a beta community that the folks who were in the beta still talk about it as if it was just so special. It was just completely exciting. And they really built relationships with each other in that moment of time when it was just them and this product. Um, and the final piece was he, Kevin and Mike did a really intentional job of finding people who were on Dribbble uh, designers that they really respected visual their visual perspective and reached out to them to see if they would be the first users on Instagram just to set the visual tone as a place that actually is you know things are in focus things are framed well and so there was this amount of kind of a distribution mechanism through tech folks to get the word out about Instagram and then when people signed up they they loved it like almost immediately people used that word sticky about it and so the launch itself was, was an inflection point. And from that moment on, Kevin and Mike, the founders were drinking from the fire hose. Um, <laughs> they were just, you know, staying up all night and that stayed true for honestly, like two years for them, just always checking the servers, things were crashing, like trying to manage the speed of the growth. But certainly just in my time period, when we launched Android, we gained at the time, which felt like a really big number, a million users in one day. People yeah, were just begging. Huge. Yeah. And it was like, you know, only something like 15 to 20 million total registered users then, not even active. Mm. Um, and, and then when Facebook bought us, that was really close timing. But the PR from that was huge. And so that, that happened in sort of the spring of 2012. Um, just people had been begging for the Android app, just like every day commenting on our tweets and posts, like, when are you shipping Android? When, 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 when? So that was a real watershed. And then the amount of PR that we got from being purchased was also huge. And there were a few more down the line after that. Um, but I think it was a combination of really like a launch that had more momentum than probably any other launch. And once, yeah. once we had that and people loved the product, people were captive audiences for information about Instagram. So it was a total privilege to work on a company that that people wanted to hear from the way that they wanted to hear from Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if I'll ever, ever be in that position, like quite the same way. It seems like it's a, a once in a lifetime sort of experience. Yeah. So that's so cool. And, and tell me a little bit about what your role was. What did you do there? Yeah. Uh, so Instagram was an interesting stru company structure in that the two founders, one of Kevin, the sort of first person who forged the idea for Instagram, he was reasonably technical, but not super technical. And he built the first version of the product, mm. including built the filters. And then he brought on a guy named Mike, who is just like an incredible technologist, although he's like a, a very broad intelligence, um, has really broad skill sets. 
and he started to handle more of the back end. So setting up the systems or the, the servers and making sure the product could could just survive. Yeah. And then their first hire after that was a community person named Josh. And like I said, because the launch was so successful, they needed someone immediately to help them reply to emails, help people who got locked out of their accounts, uh, make sure that all the thousands of folks who were downloading this product had someone to talk to and and had the voice of the product, like Josh could write to uh, customers as well. And so Instagram's first hire was someone on what they called the community team. And when I joined about half the company, we they hired so that I was, I think one of, I was the third community person and they hired a second one when I was hired. Um, so we had a team of about like eight to 10 and four of those people were on the, what we call the community team. And so the way I describe sort of our organizational structure was it was basically the people who were designing and building the product. And then the people who were the conduit between the folks building Instagram and the people using it. Yeah. And that was our team. So we did everything from, like I said, you know, like customer support, which was at such an incredible scale. The the way that we were growing, we had to support people who had experiences with people stealing their photos or um, getting locked out of their accounts or celebrities writing in, trying to get their usernames, like that kind of stuff, <laughs> you know, and we had to decide what you could and couldn't post on the site, mm -hmm. what was okay and what was not. And then the part that was really fun was we curated the suggested user list. So when you signed up for Instagram, you could kind of see based on your phone book, uh, are any of my friends in this already? But we would also show you a list of suggested users, which were people that our team had found that were just using Instagram really well. Typically not celebrities, usually just regular folks, yeah. like a monk in Nepal who was taking pictures on Instagram or... <laughs> Uh, one guy who was in the Air Force Reserve who was responsible for making sure the boom from a refueling plane would attach to a fighter jet and take these incredible pictures yeah. on his stomach laying down out the window. But we'd find really interesting people and, and feature them in a suggested user list and also write about them on our at Instagram account and blog. And so I, I really say like we were like kind of the voice and brand of Instagram, but we, we basically just did anything that was a communication point with the users coming back to us about what was happening on the platform or going out to them so that we could make sure that they knew about new features or an issue that was going on on the site, or they knew about really cool things that were happening on Instagram. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome role, honestly. It was, yeah. I mean, there were highs and lows, let me tell you. Like, <laughs> I, if I if I could watch from my memory having to review flagged images on Instagram, which oh, is one no. of these special, special spots that if you're not technical and you're early in a startup, it like, oh, has no. to go through. Yeah, but I mean, it gives you good empathy though, you know? Like I saw all sides of the platform. I really understood it all. And, and you know, it's... um. It's, it's something that people are doing every single day. Thousands of people are doing now in today's world. So yeah. I got to do like all the good and bad things for sure. Um, some amazingly fun things and some really like elbow work, you know? Yeah. You know, I've often thought about the individuals that are, are the people that have to do the scrubbing of some of those <laughs> images or things yeah. that don't meet the standards. And I, I have a lot of empathy for that. I apologize that you had to go through that because I'm sure it wasn't pleasant at times. Yeah, definitely not pleasant. And it's it's something too that I think, unfortunately, there's not much like healthy dialogue about it because mm -hmm. the companies tend to be really private about those folks and about the standards. And 
so I'm always like frustrated by the public conversation about it because yeah. I think reporters rightly so are, are really trying to figure out how those people are treated and what's going on. And then the companies are very private about it. Um, some of being that private makes sense to some degree because yeah. you don't want to tell people exactly how to sort of abuse the system. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a totally real part of people sharing their lives online as you see the best of people and you see the worst of people and you see just Dang. once you're at that scale, everything in between. So it's wild. Yeah. yeah. Jeez. That's intense. Yeah. Um, so then after you'd been Instagram, I believe it was about two years, this is when Facebook came into the picture and purchased Instagram. Tell me yeah. a little bit more about that experience. And, and I believe that's, you left maybe shortly after that. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the timeline was, Instagram was built in the end of October of 2010. And I joined in the beginning of 2012. Okay. And we launched Android um, I think on around like April 3rd or April 6th or something of that year. So I was only there for a few months and within three days, we show up for the, at the office for an early morning meeting, um, which we thought was about our series either. I think it was like our series A or series B fundraising. And we sit down and Kevin, you know, says to this little team of people that over the weekend, a big company, um, offered to buy us and we decided to say, and we all expect him to say, to say that we decided to say no. <laughs> he said, we said yes. And it's going to go to the news in an hour. And we're sitting in our little office in San Francisco. And at the time, I think he must have been nervous because he didn't even tell us which company oh, it was really? at first. And we had to be like, who is it? Yeah. <laughs> um, why, why did you yeah, all think that he was going to say no? To the offer um i think because instagram had such incredible momentum we had so many dreams we had this new office you know where we were had a bunch of space for more desks and and <clears throat> i think we had probably almost felt like maybe also we were too big to buy oh like really it was yeah i i think like it it, it had so much potential and before that that purchase Facebook had no track record of buying a company mm -hmm. or buying a product the way that we were purchased. So that was a surprise. Um, and I think Twitter had been trying to buy Instagram, which I wasn't a part of those conversations. But yeah, I think we all felt that we were committed to actually building Instagram the way we we wanted to and, and kind of as its own entity. And in some ways, it was also an alternative to what was already out there. So it was sort of a surprise to yeah. all of a sudden be a part of Facebook. And at the time too, Facebook had been building a competitor. They they had been working on this thing called Facebook Camera, which actually just ended up being a, a pretty big flop. Like no one's ever really heard of it. I haven't. So yeah, yeah, I know. So so it's it also was sort of like, oh, this is interesting. You have a whole team of people that you you hired and and invested in to basically kind of try to take Instagram down and now we're now we're on your team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were all surprised, you know, I think it's one of those things where you start to run through all these scenarios. A lot of people were like, what does that mean? We have to commute to Menlo park. Cause everybody lives in San Francisco. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, just really basic human stuff of just, well, I thought I was going to be coming into this office tomorrow. And what does that mean for my job? Do I have a job? <laughs> like what, what's happening? But it was a, it was a wild day. I mean, um, within an hour, like it went to new, the, to the press 
was huge. It was like a huge deal at the time. And um, Facebook sent a, a van up to pick us up and take us to campus. And we had to go out the back door of our office because there were so many reporters waiting to hear from us. So it felt like being like a rock star or something, you know, and we went out the back door and got in this van. They drove us down the Menlo Park and we walked into the office and everyone on the Facebook kind of open floor plan stood up and clapped for us as we walked um, into Mark Zuckerberg's office, you know, and sat down there with Sheryl Sandberg and mm. Brett Taylor, the CTO, and just like he has a big sofa in his office. So like all whatever 12 of us are like sitting there on his big sofa. And yeah, it was just a totally surreal day. And I remember the next day walking into the office and I stepped outside of my door and Kevin and Mike were on the cover of the New York Times. Um, it's a Jeez. picture of them. And, you know, it's just totally surreal experience. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the thing that I think a lot of people look at the size of the deal and they talk about business in such like a money oriented perspective. Um, but Instagram was so beloved by so many people that I think a lot of us felt a lot of duty to keep it at that beloved by people. And it wasn't just like a money making optimization exercise. And, and, you know, so a lot of people don't really believe me, but, um, the core team, I think, was was sad, and I think actually, like, uh, many of them might express sadness to you today if they were being totally honest about the deal and about being purchased by Facebook, because we all joined Instagram to work on this sort of new new project, you know, this this product that could could be and become anything, and and we would build teams and we would you know bring on folks and be able to answer those questions in a totally different way, and then. I think being purchased, it, it meant that our destiny was not going to be like determined by us. Um, and so, yeah, so it was it was a weird, surreal time where everybody wanted to give us these like big high fives. But, you know, for for all of us, I think there was a lot of like a little bit of sadness and and uh, uh, like lack of clarity around what this all meant. And what's really interesting is so and I wonder how much this has played into it for you because you have a really interesting perspective on social media. And, mm. you know, this is actually interesting because you're one of our first celebrities that we've had on the podcast. Uh, in, the <laughs> sense that, in the sense oh that my you God, were in the, a celebrity. Yeah, you were in the docu-film, The Social Dilemma, for, for those yeah. that don't know. Um, and so I'm really curious about this, <clears throat> maybe <clears throat> maybe this uh, complex that you have with, with potentially social media and being an early employee at Instagram to where you are now, to the point where, my understanding is you deleted the Instagram app a couple of years ago. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that perspective and, and your experience in, in the social dilemma. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been this sort of iterative process for me of, I think, social media aging and, and also um, Instagram changing to like get to the point where I decided to, to delete my own account. Um, and tried to really like not not interact too much with the platform um, as of I guess two years ago and I it's not like an act of like super you know just like hate of, like, <laughs> spike my phone like I hate this thing yeah um, the best way I think I can describe it is through someone else's quote which I read uh, a couple years ago um, and it really stuck with me it was from Man Repeller who was a, a she's a fashion blogger that really came up with Instagram. Like we've featured her on the suggested user list and she just has incredible taste and her, she actually had to close her blog 
earlier this year. Um, but uh, she wrote this piece about Instagram and basically said that she felt like Instagram was a drug where, that we were all addicted to a drug that didn't get us high anymore. Mm. And the truth of the matter is people use Instagram a lot in the early days too. I remember a statistic like well before we were purchased by Facebook that I might be misremembering, but the average person would refresh their Instagram feed 27 times a day. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised if that's the number. I'm sure it's way more yeah, now. Yeah. And that was in like 2012, 2013. So we knew people were using it a lot, but we also got this perspective that people were getting a lot of value out of it. You know, we saw people meeting new friends and having meetups like, you know, some woman who lived off the grid in Oregon made friends with these Brooklyn designers and they, she came to New York just to meet them in real life. And, you know, there were folks that had amazing perspectives on the world that, were able to share it that otherwise would have never been shared. There's an American guy named um, Drew Kelly who was teaching English in Pyongyang in North Korea. And he was able to walk through the country, like take the subway, go for hikes in a way that a, an AP journalist or whatever never would be able to. And he was able to share his perspective in like a one-to-one -one basis without the mediation of you know, a, a political message or yeah. whatever. So there were just, we were hearing from all of these people that felt like Instagram completely opened their windows into the world. You know, you could meet or see the life of another person that cared about what you cared about across the world in a way that hadn't really been possible before. And so I, I, I knew that people were using it a lot. I was using it a lot too, but I felt like there was real human value uh, coming out of it. Like people were discovering things and people and I think for me, what, what has changed in the you know, timeline of 2012 till now is, and this is, this is a part of the sort of like challenges of being a, a IPO public company as a social network and also perhaps Facebook's philosophy. But when I was working on Instagram in the very beginning, the user experience was the most important thing if people didn't get value out of Instagram, if they didn't enjoy it, and that doesn't mean addicted, it means actually like liked it, we were gonna go nowhere, right? Like it didn't, it, first off, like none of us wanted to work on something that people didn't really like, but it just doesn't feel good. But second off, like the, the product had no future if people didn't truly enjoy it to the point where they would kind of tell their friends about it, you know, and, and help more people find out about it. We didn't pay, pay a, a dollar of advertising, it grew all wow. organically. And our sort of relentless commitment to the user experience in a very holistic way was, in my opinion, what made Instagram take off in the very first place all the way through those early decisions. And I think what the orientation now is, is you know, there are two metrics that a social media company orients itself against. One is engagement and one is growth. So you try to get more people into the app than leave the app than churn. And then you try to make sure that those people stay in there. Um, they're liking things, they're posting things, their time spent is either the same or growing. And that's how you measure the success of one of those companies and how you make sure you can sell ads. And so you see how like the design decisions have, have come to support that, have come to support the distribution of ads into a feed yeah. and you staying in there longer um, than the competitors. And that to me has led to a user experience that's 
very addicting, but I, I, I have felt very empty. And it got to the point where I f- would log into Instagram and log out. And if you asked me within a few minutes what I saw in there, I probably couldn't even tell you, hmm. you know? And I just realized it wasn't adding that much value to my life. And that I did feel a level of addiction to it, whether or not it's clinical addiction. Um, I did feel yeah. like addicted to it. And so I didn't feel like I was getting very much like new value. I knew that the relationships I had formed on Instagram, like I make my email address available on my website or like they can, they can message me on Twitter. I wasn't gonna lose those relationships. It would just kind of redirect my time. And so I decided like to delete my app. I was like, you know what? I've been on here for whatever, eight years. It's been great, <laughs> you know? And yeah. it's time for me to spend my time elsewhere. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I did that. You know, I, I, I don't regret it. And I, I, I don't also look back on Instagram with a big, you know, middle finger waving in the air <laughs> or something. Um, but it Which just is was healthy. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just was time for something, for something else. And I, I do also feel this perhaps naive optimism that there's somewhere out there, there's a team like the team I got to work on in the early days of Instagram with engineers and designers who have such high standards for the user experience and and how people psychologically and emotionally relate to a product like that. And that someone will build something like that. And I will be more than happy to show up in that space. But um, I want something I think that feels more like a museum than a mall, yeah. you know, and, and I think Instagram now is sort of a mall where we're just selling things to each other. And I, I just don't really want to be in that, spend a lot of time in yeah. that space. That's a beautiful analogy. More of a museum than a mall. I really <laughs> like that a lot. Thanks. Um, well, so what's interesting is you mentioned kind of this this community aspect and that's what, what you had done in the early days. And that has, my understanding, it led you to to what you're doing now. Tell us a little bit about what what your focus is now and what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah, so after I left Instagram, um, you know, the people who had felt a sense of community in the early days of Instagram, you know, they had met strangers, they had built relationships, they had connected to people over their passion points. Uh, it, it, it is, it is. I think the word community has become a bit ambiguous and perhaps people are even skeptical of it now. But it was, it was truly a, a, a space that created communities that didn't exist before. Um, and I was really proud of that. But at the same time, I was young. I think I started working there when I was 25 or 26. Mm. And it was a act of drinking from a fire hose, you know, and we, we had a few pillars of our work that helped us, I think, create community. But I didn't, I didn't have a really strong philosophy around what community building was in a digital era, like the one we're living in today such that I felt that when people asked me what we had done to build community, I, I could give them an answer, but it was only specific to Instagram and to that platform, which was a phenomenon and, and a very specific type of space. You know, it was about inspiration and creativity and photos, but what about a forum community or what about someone who's trying to build a chapter community of activists? Like how, how could I possibly help them? How could I, how could I give them um, valuable insights? Mm-hmm. And so I I kind of like wandered around doing that work at different places and then decided with two business partners to actually really look at, can we make community clearer to people, both the word and what it means itself, especially in a world where 
the word community no longer just means like your church community or the place you live. It, yeah. it could mean strangers that live on the other side of the planet. So how do we pin that word down? And how do we get really clear about the steps that go into building one, that, that process, that methodology? And I think that was that decision to kind of pursue this, this question as a, as a company where we call ourselves people and company in part was informed by one of my business partners who was on the growth team at Facebook in the early days. So he led growth. Uh, he opened the first office in Canada for Facebook and then led growth for Facebook in Asia, which was quite a task. Um, and when he first started working in this space of growth for software, it was really undefined. Like a lot of people knew they needed to grow their products, but they didn't know how to talk about it. Like what, is there a shared framework or way yeah. we can discuss this? And he watched over the course of his time working on Facebook, the development of that language, you know, the growth cycle um, and kind of the ways of measuring these things, retention, like all this different stuff. And now there's like schools, growth schools and all of these things. But at one point there wasn't, really any yeah. language to pin that down. So I think he thought this is possible. You can take a somewhat ambiguous um, space. And, and if you do the work to find the root principles, you, you can help people get clearer about how to do this task. So basically Kevin and I, my other business partner were practitioners. We, we had built communities and our third business partner is someone who is really good at drilling things down into root principles and mm. communicating things clearly. So for the last few years, we've been helping organizations like Nike and, and Porsche and even smaller companies like Substack think about their, their community building strategy, as we like to say, get clearer about what community means for them, and then also move faster with their work, make smarter bets with their work. And in the process, we did a ton of research, for all different types of communities, spoke to everyone from you know the first community manager at YouTube and SoundCloud and Twitch to like people who started a basketball team for women who aren't good at basketball, like all sorts of interesting communities. Wow. Yeah, and um, that, that, that kind of wide variety of communities helped us get really clear on what are the patterns across these. And we wrote a book that breaks down our methodology, which is called Get Together and published that with Stripe Press a, like two years ago. And then also have a podcast where we share some of these stories. So. Um, we kind of do this combination of just endless research and learning about the space and then helping coach people who are doing this work themselves in some form or another um, as our little company, people and company. Right now, we're living in a moment where, you know, you and I are on Zoom together right now. And it's, it's pretty clear that the, the gaps between us are widening. They have been for a while, even before the pandemic. Um, just in terms of the way we connect to other people and build communities, groups, social connections. And the pandemic, I think, has only accelerated that. And so I, I, I want to just kind of leave anyone who's listening with some of the key things that I learned about community building. And the first is that although communities feel magical, they don't come together by magic. Um, it takes someone deciding that the group that they want in the world doesn't exist and they're gonna they're gonna start it and and there's a methodology as well that if you want to be a little more confident in how to do that you know you can grab our book or listen to our podcast or read some of the stuff we write but there is there is a way to do this if you want to realize a community it's not just some magical entity that lands in your lap um, you can you can intentionally build one 
And the, the big thing that we learned too, that if you forget anything that I've said today, um, maybe about Instagram or, or myself, uh, I hope maybe you remember this, which is the number one thing that we've learned about thriving communities, ones that really succeed and spread um, or that just stay vibrant over time is that you build a community with people, not for them. Mm. So it's about progressive acts of collaboration, giving other people um, more responsibilities and roles at every stage. And just to land that in, in Instagram, I think just to wrap it all together, you know, the way we did that was with our storytelling. And it, we put, instead of Instagram's brand first, we put our users first at every single stage. And we, for years, spent would write at least one, often two to three stories about a different user on our platform to tell the story yeah. of Instagram and gave those folks a platform, gave them a sense of ownership over Instagram and, and what it would become by, by celebrating them and by putting them up on a podium. And there's so many different ways to think about doing that. If you're starting a basketball team, you know, who's the timer or who starts the new chapter in another city, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think we often get so fixated in thinking about what we have to do for people instead of how to empower them. And that's the big, that's the big mental shift of how to do this work. So that, that's all that I'll, I'll kind of finish with. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Um, you, you made an interesting comment. It's like, we all want a best friend and we just want that best friend to fall in our lap, but it yeah. takes effort. And that's yeah. so true. Like you can't just have a community like organically, like, yeah, there's some of that, but it takes effort. It, yeah, I think that's so, so stinking true. So, yeah. And, and I think perhaps there's some shame around that because yeah, we all used to like live in the town we grew up with. And if you didn't have friends then yeah. maybe there's like a red flag, <laughs> that's not the case anymore. It's you not. know, we're all, we move, you like change cities, you change jobs, you change lives, like, and people really want more meaningful connection in their they life. Do. So yeah, it's just like I said, yeah, it's, it's, it feels magical, but it is not magic. That's Bailey Richardson, an early employee at Instagram who created one of the biggest communities in the world. You can learn more about communities by checking out her book or podcast, both titled Get Together. Thanks for listening to today's show. I'm Braden Anderson, and this is The Early Years.